Welcome to Moms Going Boldly, a Star Trek podcast. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Moms Going Boldly is two moms who love Star Trek and who happen to have children on the autism spectrum. Join me, Elizabeth, and my co-host Vicki as each week we talk about Star Trek episodes, both new and old. Are you ready for the adventure? Come join us on Moms Going Boldly. And welcome back to Moms Going Boldly, where today we're going to talk about Star Trek Strange New Worlds Season 2, Episode 8, Under the Cloak of War. How are you doing today, Vicki? Good, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Good. Did you like this episode? I did like this episode. I know you don't like the darker ones, but this was very dark. This but, one brought me to tears. Yeah, it was very dark. But, I actually cried yeah. watching this episode. Yeah. I was glad they chose to revisit and delve further into the Mbanga issue, which we knew there was some kind of issue with the Klingon War. We didn't know if it was PTSD, but it's a lot more than that. Yeah. I do have thoughts about Spock and Chapel. Just remind me when we get there. Okay. All right. Um, let me go ahead and read the synopsis from the Memory Alpha fandom wiki for this episode. Captain Pike and his crew welcome a Klingon defector aboard the USS Enterprise, but his presence triggers the revelation of some shocking secrets. And this episode, by the way, supports your hypothesis (laughs) of light episodes and then dark episodes. So you're batting a thousand on this one so far. (laughs) This one was even more dark than I expected. But I agree with you. I think this one was brilliant. Yeah. It was painful and dark and there was so much depth to so many of the characters that we got to see throughout the entire episode i was crying but i was like this is really good yes so i think this one we kind of should probably take apart a little bit more okay um to talk about things so we we have a klingon defector from the klingon war and so the klingon war happened while the enterprise and Many of its crew, not all of the crew, but many of its crew were on a five-year exploration mission. And so this war happened while, like, Christopher Pike was gone. But some of the crew lived through it, such as Ortegas, the Mm -hmm. helmsman, helmsperson. Yes. And Dr. Mbenga and Nurse Chapel, they were in the war. They are veterans of that war. And so there is some tension about this defector coming on board. And the defector was essentially someone who earned a reputation of being a butcher in the war, who then left the Klingon side, defected to the Federation side, and is being used by the Federation as an ambassador for peace treaties and ongoing negotiation with the Klingons. Right. And there are folks on board the Enterprise who are like, I don't care what he's doing. He's responsible for death, destruction, the trauma that I experienced, and so there is no accepting him. And so there was a lot of stress about that. And Captain Pike is, like, working with his crew to try to get them to just just go through the diplomatic motions because this is important to Starfleet and the Federation. And meanwhile, this defector is, like, a good guy. He comes on board and he's all, oh, just call me raw. Klingon names are too long and confusing. And, you know, he's all like, I totally understand. And it's all right. And of course, this is hard. And he's just like, totally the nicest guy. 
Right, but don't you think he was too nice? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Don't you think that would make the people who were already suspicious of him more suspicious of him? The thing that worked well for this character is that, yes, he was too nice. Yes, that would generate suspicion, but he was consistently nice. Right. Which would sort of start to chip away at the wall of suspicion. He was very, very good at that. And as our listeners know, this is not a spoiler-free environment, so I'm just going to go straight to the spoiler here. He did not, what am I trying to say, betray the Federation at the end of this episode. He did not do what all of the suspicious people thought he was going to do, that he was just making them, you know, buttering them up for Klingon Invasion 2.0, or anything like that. He didn't do any of these things. So we have this suspicion from these people that's kind of unfounded, and yet it wasn't. And what he did do was much more nuanced and layered and creatively extraordinary for an episode of Star Trek. And yes, what he did do was is besides the point right now. But you're saying he never did any of these things, but he died. So we don't know what he was going to do, what he was up to, or if some of their suspicions were not unfounded as well. Right. Yeah. Because what we learn at the end is that he's a liar. Right. You're absolutely correct. The suspicions could be founded because if he lied about what happened on Jagal, where he took responsibility for killing his fellow Klingons in order to escape and join the Federation. Right. And what we really discover is that it was Dr. Mbenga right. who went in and killed all the Klingons, trying to get to him to stop the butchery that had been happening to the Federation colonists and the soldiers. Right. And he lied about that. I'm I'm getting actually all worked up just <laughs> thinking about it because we don't find out what happens until almost the end of the rep- episode. We see Ortega struggling. Her struggle is very surface. It's right there. Yeah. She's like, it's right on in the surface. But Chapel and Mbenga's struggle is deep. It's buried. They're fighting with it. And we get an idea of what they experience through a series of flashbacks of their time working as medical officers on Jagal, this planet where this terrible battle is taking place and they're trying to rescue colonists that the Klingons are essentially slash and burn. They are leaving no one behind. No children, no women, no non-combatants, nothing. They are killing every single person they can find. And so they're trying to evacuate these colonists and they're trying to save the people who have been injured and it's brutal and it's ugly and they're required to make terrible decisions. And I thought at the beginning that what they were struggling with was the terrible decision of having to let some people die because they just could not save them. Because that's intimated at the beginning when they've got this Federation soldier, this Starfleet officer or soldier who's injured and they put him in transporter stasis, essentially. They put him like in the buffer to save him when they have the tools that they need to save him. And then at the end, they need to beam more people out of the colony to save women and children and all these people who are not injured and they clear the buffer to make room for them sacrificing this guy and so you think that's going to be the trauma that they have to figure out how to live with oh no it's much huger than that yeah so i was so engaged every step of the way this story took me in directions i wasn't expecting it to go and there's a scene where the klingon Ra invites dr mbega to spar with him right in klingon fighting and so they spar 
And you think, okay, this is where there's going to be some kind of explosion of conflict. Yeah. No, the tension's definitely rising, totally rising watching these guys. But it's not where the explosion takes place. Mbinga still does not release whatever it is that is hurting him. And he asks Ra which one of his Klingon officers fought the hardest. It was extraordinary. In retrospect, when you look back at all the things that happened after that, it's extraordinary how he goes through all the motions of regret that he had to kill these guys. And and it was Captain, which Captain was it? Commander Kiff, I guess he said. Yes, Kiff, yes. That fought the hardest and nearly killed him. But he chose to fight on for the nameless victims of the war. And so you're thinking, okay, this guy, you know, he had some kind of epiphany while he was there that this was brutal and it was carnage. And, it, you know, it's, a, it's an anti-Klingon epiphany but okay it can happen i suppose and this is what he's hoping for from all his human allies now and what we find out is is that the colonists and the medical personnel on chagall are losing they're going to get wiped out and so Mbenga takes this special super soldier serum that we saw in the first episode of this season mm-hmm. and he's going to go stop them and chapel's the only one that knows he's going to do this and at the very end of this episode we see Mbenga and Ra, and Ra's trying to like have a conversation with him and Omega's like you need to leave you need to leave now because I can't take this you got you better go now right and Ra won't leave and he begged him and even after he told him he wouldn't leave him alone then what Mbenga says it wasn't Commander Kiff who fought the hardest it was Captain Rulis because I know because I'm the one who killed them trying to get to you as you ran away like a coward you're not the butcher of Jagal I'm the butcher of Jagal I know the truth, and that's not who you are. And so it was brutal. And that's not the moment I cried, though. The moment I cried was when, after the fight, I think it was after the fight, and Mbenga's in the sonic shower, and he's reliving the horrors of it, and he's crying in the shower. That's when I cried. It was just so unbelievably sad. Yeah. So unbelievably painful. It was an amazing scene. It was an amazing episode that moved me to tears. I was just like, this is awful, but in a good way. (laughs) Oh, yeah. We're going to pause right here for a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, Doug Gramley here from Yeah, That Can't Be Good. Doug here from the 13th Warehouse. If you are a fan of Eureka, please join Kim, Vicky, Skip, and myself over at Yeah, That Can't Be Good for an episode-by-episode podcast of all things Eureka at EurekaRewatch.com. If you're a fan of Warehouse 13, please join Kim and Vicky over at the 13th Warehouse at the13thwarehouse.com. You can also listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us on Twitter at Eureka Warehouse. Attention Warehouse fans. Kim and Vicky continue on with the warehouse theme on the 13th Warehouse with Friday the 13th, the 1988 television series. Follow Mickey, Ryan, and Jack as they hunt for cursed antiques sold by Uncle Lewis to unsuspecting and sometimes suspecting patrons of his antique shop. So stick with us on the 13th Warehouse for Friday the 13th, the series. You can listen to the 13th Warehouse on our website, the13thwarehouse.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. So here's the thing. I am unclear, and maybe you can help me. Okay. Because Raw keeps pushing Mbenga, even after Mbenga has told him, I know you're a liar. I'm the one that did all the damage there, so just don't even go there. And there's some kind of fight. Mm Mm-hmm. Who kills Ra? Did Mbenga kill Ra? Or did Mbenga kill Ra in self-defense because Ra was trying to kill him to stop the truth from coming out? Well, they didn't show us. I don't think he was trying to stop the truth from coming out because he was still pushing after he found the truth because he wanted Mbenga to 
ally with him. I don't think he was trying to kill Mbenga. But I also think they purposely didn't show us. Yeah. So it was unclear. And I think it's very possible that Mbenga did kill him on purpose because the reason he begged Ra to stop and leave him alone is because he knew he was not going to be able to control himself. Right. I absolutely think Mbenga killed him on purpose, yes. Yeah. But I didn't know if the struggle... If there was the, a struggle or whether it was just, okay, yeah. It yeah. looked like there was a struggle, but we couldn't see it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I have no doubts. And I'm sure Chapel knows that he is the butcher of whatever. Yes. I'm sure... Yes. I have no doubt that Chapel knows that he was the one who killed the, the Klingons because she told him to when he left the uh, medical facility. She said, kill them all and find the leader and kill him. Yeah. I don't have any doubt that she knew all this time that he's he, yeah. he was the one who did that. And, and she, she walked Pike in later. right after Rob was killed. And she told Captain Pike that, you know, she did not see what happened. She said I was there. Oh, I thought she said she didn't see what happened. Oh. But luckily he saved that knife because it had the blood of the Klingons on it. Right. right. You know. Well, and he saved that knife because... It was part of his trauma. Right, right. Yeah. But it worked for their alibi, for lack of a better word. I'm sure he killed him on purpose. I'm sure that's why he was begging him to stay away from him and leave him alone. But we don't know if Ra actually started the fight that then Mbengo finished. We don't because they didn't show us. They didn't show us. And I'm sure they didn't show us, so we would always be left wondering. Yeah. You know. And then... As it turns out, Pike can't really hold Mbinga responsible because it comes across as um, self-defense and that Mbinga was just defending himself. And here's this knife that has all this Klingon blood, right. as you pointed out, that, you know, the butcher of Jagal, who was supposedly raw, would have had on his knife. So, you know, while it wasn't ideal as far as the Starfleet and Federation were concerned that their ambassador was dead, they could, you know, blame the Starfleet officers were there right right it was powerful it was extraordinary so let's talk now about spock and chapel because this goes to the interaction between raw and mbenga about please leave me alone i'm just comparing it and it's two totally different things i'm not saying it's as serious as this whole situation but you know they made a point at the beginning on the previously on of showing the little scene of ortega saying you have to learn when to stop talking yeah. You know, so we know he's having difficulty relating to her because she's having trauma. He knows she's having trauma. He can't help her. He wants to help her. But all she wants is for him to leave her alone. She needs time to process her trauma. Exactly. But he can't understand that. But it made me start to think about the whole Spock thing that we've been talking about. How, you know, how he becomes the Vulcan that we know in TOS. And I guess in my mind, and I don't know what you were thinking, in my mind, I thought that at some point he was just going to maybe get a visit from his father or something that would make the relationship with them end. And it would be his choice. But I'm kind of almost almost thinking it's going to be her choice because she wants him to leave her alone. And I still have the thing with Boimer in my head that she already knows this. Yes. So is she pushing him away? And is that going to drive him? to just forget about trying to embrace his human side and just become the Vulcan that we know. That's a good thought. That's a very good thought. Um, Other thoughts about 
this episode. There is something else I want to raise, but I wanted to make sure I didn't go in a different direction while you're still thinking about sort of the story. No, go ahead. I'm so excited to see Clint Howard. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) So excited. I know. And you know, it was funny because I was like, now, has he been in... Because I remember him in TOS. I remember him in Deep Space Nine. I remember him in Enterprise. And I remember him in, obviously, Discovery and now here. So I went back to look because I was, was like, I wonder if he's been in every Star Trek, but he wasn't. He wasn't in TNG and he wasn't in Voyager. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. And I was like, yeah, of course. Why wouldn't he be here? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. It, was really, it was really cool to see him. Yeah. yeah. So there we go. Any other thoughts for this episode? I, I think it was well-written, well-acted, intense. The tension was high throughout. It was... It's going to be a hard one to rewatch, but a good one to rewatch, you know, in the future. Yeah. I watched this one twice last night. Yeah. It, it was good. I loved it. Yeah. I mean, it was yeah. dark. I'm not saying I love that everybody's in turmoil, but it was good. I, it was so dark and so unexpected. Very unexpected, but well, well layered, well done. What, yeah. about, what rating would you give this episode on a scale of one to ten? Oh, I'm going to give it a 9.5. Okay. I'm going to give it a nine, maybe yeah. a 9.5, right in there. Yeah, yeah, I agree. This is a really, really good one. All right. Any other thoughts about Star Trek Strange New World Season 2, Episode 8, no, I Under can't. the Cloak of War? I can't think of anything that we hadn't really gone over. Okay. So the next one is called, are you ready? Uh, Subspace Rhapsody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is it. This is the singing one. I know. I should just bite the bullet and watch it. You know, I already spent the morning looking up all the characters to see if they could sing. And (laughs) (laughs) I should just watch it and get it over. (laughs) Yep, it's time. It needs to be watched. Okay, so we invite our listeners to join us as we talk next time. Star Trek Strange New World Season 2, Episode 9, Subspace Rhapsody. All right. Galileo, Galileo. You can continue exploring the universe with Moms Going Boldly by following us on Facebook at facebook.com slash momsgoingboldly and on Twitter at momsgoingboldly. The music used on Moms Going Boldly is Without Limits by Ross Bugden Music. On Twitter at Ross Bugden, licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license, creativecommons.org. You can listen to Moms Going Boldly on Podbean, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Player FM. And we're now also available on Apple Podcasts. Transfer complete.